welcome everyone to the fourth episode of On Relating. So today I'm interviewing Padma Gordon. She is a relationship counselor down in uh, Northern California and she just recently wrote a book that's pretty awesome about how to move through relationship in a graceful, mature, and functional, thriving way, generally. But we get into the specifics in this episode, and I'm gonna roll through some of them here and now so you can kind of wet your palate, get a sense of the kind of terrain that we're gonna be exploring. So some of the, the themes are just what it looks like to actually be kind in relationship, right? I mean, of course we all have that intention, but there's, there is an art, there is a practice of doing that, right? How to actually start to be mindful enough to bring more generosity, more appreciation, more acceptance, and uh, more wisdom in a, in a relationship. Specifically, right, like how do we make sure that we're bringing up the difficult stuff, stuff at the right time so that it actually leads to a functional uh, and positive outcome? Some of the other themes are the importance of not keeping score in a relationship, right? Not stacking up a big pile of things that the other's done to hurt you and disappoint you and just kind of being aware of how we all tend to do that and what you can do to uh, put your attention to somewhere else, some uh, to a place that's going to be more, uh, more functional and more uh, supportive to creating a a strong and vibrant relationship. Um, another theme is the what we kind of came to, maybe it was me, but she helped me kind of coin this or uh, get to this term of the muscle of self-restraint and how important that is in a, relation, in a relationship. How we need to really catch ourselves when we're about to say something that is not going to be helpful, that is not going to move relationship in into any kind of positive direction how we need to not not just stuff that but restrain ourselves from saying it make a note of it and uh, really consider from our higher brain from our from our wiser from the wiser part of ourselves when is a good time to bring up this 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 issue uh, this complaint um, this place of hurt I think that's enough to wet your palate. I really hope you enjoy this. And uh, without further ado, Padma Gordon. Welcome, Padma Gordon. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's good to see you again. Yeah. Yeah, you too. Um, so let me just, like I have all my guests do, just uh, if you could just give a, a little uh, introduction to yourself, um, what you do in the world, and uh, maybe a little, like, little tidbits of what you're into and family life and where you live, and just so people can get a, get a sense of you and where you're coming from. Sure. Um, well, I do counseling, spiritual counseling, and through the body with individuals and with couples and I really work a lot through movement and through presencing being aware just tapping into what's actually happening in the moment as a way of, of knowing and learning about yourself learning about what works and 
what doesn't work and what's in the way. Mm. Um, I also, when we can, I lead movement classes, embodiment classes to help people just explore and discover who, who they are in their bodies and really um, come in, incarnate okay. fully That's into it. the physical. I'm a mom. I have a 14-year-old. She just turned 14. Um, and I have uh, an awesome partner and an amazing dog. And mm. what do I like? What kind of dog? He is, his name is Buddy. And um, mm. he is a um, golden Ridgeback pit mix. Oh, and, big, yeah. strong dog. He's strong. He's That's sweet, huh? Exactly. He loves yeah. to. I, I love to hike and run, and mm. he is always mm. up. Pretty much always, unless it's too hot, he's always up for a hike or a run. And then when you want to cuddle, he loves to cuddle because when he was a puppy, he had uh, parvovirus, so he's very mm. um, affectionate, and he loves. He thinks he's a lap dog, but he weighs about sixty pounds. <laughs> <laughs> so, i love it oh man that's that's so i've been really thinking about a dog these days and that just sounds like so the dog kind of dog i want so. this is the kind of dog you want yeah. this is it this dog came to me with my partner it's really his dog but i've i have a pro- adopted him i would say for sure mm. um mm. but yeah this is an amazing dog this is this is the he's a king of dogs you walk down the street with him and people just comment wow that's a beautiful dog and it's it's his uh it's his energy it's a lot his energy and his presence and his alignment in his body plus his his totally positive good-natured beingness mm. must be a good refuge in these in these times of volatility and yeah not enough so yeah. good yeah mm. yeah actually I've, I've heard that it's um there's like you're it's very hard to adopt uh dogs right now because people need them yeah so there's yeah so there's like a shortage at the shelters you know um but yeah he's he really should be a quote-unquote service dog because he's very much in service unconditionally loving yeah (laughs) it's very sweet very very sweet well, tell me to, a, like a little bit about how you how you ended up. Like it's a it's a particular it's a particular kind of a vocation, you know, to do what you're describing. You know, you're doing how you how you ended up. I mean, in we you know we have a limited amount of time. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, just because we want to get to what what you uh, what you're currently teaching and, and spreading um, about relationship. But I do want to just hear a little bit about like how you ended up focusing on what you're focusing on in your life? Um, you know, I've really been on a kind of, I don't know, you could call it a spiritual journey most of my life. I mean, over 40 years now. I mean, I started meditating when I was 15 and sort of exploring and discovering um, what is meditation and where does it take us? And where how, how does it how does it um, escort us home to ourselves? So that's always been in my life, and movement has always been in my life. I have loved to dance since I was little, and took endless dance classes, and eventually had a 
an actual a dance company way back when in Burlington, Vermont. I had an African-inspired dance company. So I've oh. I've been um, engaged in movement, engaged in meditative practice, and have had the chance to study with some amazing teachers in my life, and got into um, like got into the Enneagram and hypnotherapy and, and got into counseling. And so my counseling practice is really an amalgam of um, everything of who I am. And it, it draws from all those different, the confluence of all those different rivers of my yeah. life. Hmm. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, and, what point did you just say, like, I, I, I'm going to write a book? Like, it's a big deal, I would think. I mean, it's like. It is. I, 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 that, that thought pops into my head once in a while, but I'm like, I, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't want, I, I don't have that in me right now, the discipline. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So what, what, tell me about that journey. Mm, thanks for asking. Yeah, I mean, it's not a casual endeavor. So only take mm-hmm. it on when you're really ready to focus. It it took it takes a tremendous amount of discipline and focus. Um and and I like that. So what brought me to that? You know, it's it's interesting because I I was never one of those people who said, Oh, I have a book in me. I know a lot of people who 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 say that and a handful of people who've actually written a book and just a a fact that I learned in the course of my um, book writing journey is that only 2% of the people who start books actually finish them. Two, 2%. Because it's wow. a big deal. It's a big yeah. deal. And it, it has a lot of different layers of what it, of what it asks of you, um, which in, include, you know, the focus, the discipline, the passion, and also a, uh, a pretty good serving of, of vulnerability and the right. willingness to be exposed. It's very different. I mean, I'm someone who's made a lot of videos. I, I would, at one point I just made a hundred videos in a row and I posted them online, not all of them, but many of them. And I've written blogs and different things and have meditations that are recorded on insight timer. So, you know, I'm, I'm out there, but a book is sort of another thing. So what made me write this book? Um, you know, honestly, two things. One is I was a little, um, how can I put it? I was a little mm, uninspired, a little uninspired, you know, and I'm someone who, who needs some, some grist and I like, I like movement, right? Cause life is movement. And so I, I love my clients. I love working with people. And I just, I wanted, I needed an additional thing. And I thought, oh, does it mean, you know, more studies? What does it mean? And I thought, no. And then this opportunity came around um, to be a part of this book creators writing program. And I knew somebody who had written a book, a friend of mine. And I thought, yeah, that's a great idea. I'm going to do that. And so I just, I just jumped in. Um, really not knowing um, <laughs> what it was going to entail. Um, were, were you clear about the ex- like? The how topic? clear were you about the con- yeah the content and the structure? You, know, you didn't you didn't have to be clear on your topic to jump in. 
But then, you know, then shortly after you jumped in, you just like, okay, what are you going to write about? And finding a, finding a focus and, and just, uh, yeah, finding what it is you wanted to bring through was a big, a big piece of it in the beginning. And the structure really came, um, through, through the program. It's a, it's a writing, it's a book creating program. And they have a very high success rate. I think it's about 70% of the people who start the program actually publish, which is very different than 2%. Mm-hmm. Because, because you, need, you need a community. So you get a community and you get a structure and you're part of something. And that really helped mm-hmm. a lot. Right. Yeah. Um, just kind of just nudging you along the whole way. I mean, and you, you pay for it. Right. I mean, it's, I always think that's, you pay like for it. It's very, it's, yeah, you pay for but, it. It's very, but, but you're like, you know, I mean, you show up, right. I mean, you're not going to be like, you yeah, show up, you know, exactly. And, and you're part of something and they give you deadlines and you have to jump through certain hoops if you want to mm-hmm. make it to the finish line. Um, mm-hmm. And so to your point about, well, the topic, how did I get to this topic? I feel like I'm someone who's done a lot of work on myself and, um, is, is fairly conscious and conscientious. And yet I myself have struggled in relationships and I look around and I see a lot of people like relationship is kind of a final frontier because it just brings up everything, every, every, everything yeah. in a partner, in a partnership, in a marriage. Yeah. Um, and I just felt like, what's the secret? I, I just was really curious because I'm in this relationship and it had been, uh, it, it had, had been and has been very rewarding and also challenging. And so I, I decided to take a deeper dive and really look at, at how do you have an awesome, fun, juicy, alive relationship over time. Well, we're all just on the edge of our seats. Like, <laughs> how, <laughs> how Paula, please tell us. Oh, the gospel what, being what's the, what's the three-step process to uh, <laughs> be alive, like amazing relationship over time. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, you know. Um, it's more than three steps, unfortunately, more, right? It is more than three yeah. steps. It's more than three steps, and there are certain um, – there's certain fundamental things because I, I did mm-hmm. research and I did interviews with people who had what I would call thriving relationships of, you know, 20 years or more, 20 years of up to at least half century. Um, and then I, I reflected on my own experience. So my own narrative is in there and what I've really come to is the most important thing is to be be kind really be kind whatever you can do to enhance what's working do that <laughs> and the things that aren't working um and and I'm sort of delineating it into what's working is yum what's not working is yuck Let's make it really simple. Things that make you frown are yuck. Things where you scrunch up your forehead and grimace, those, those are not helpful. 
eye rolls are off the table. Even internal eye rolls. So it's like focus on what's working and be appreciative. Be accepting. And do your own inner work. Actually, do your own inner work is first. And it's only through doing one's own inner work, both partners, because it's not, you know, it's not a relationship where, oh, I just am doing my own inner work and my partner's not. No, everyone does their work, shows up. Begs the question, like, what is that, right? I mean, just to define it, right? What is doing your work? Because people can, people can also have their own sort of notion, right? I mean, that they're, they are doing their work. They do this, this, and this. Uh, but, but, you know, what it's, is, it, what is it what actually? Um, how do we, do, how do we, how do we make sure that it's not just us define, you know, uh, defining, defining it? It, it seems important for there to be some some clear, um, de- you know, some clear definition of what that really looks like. Mm-hmm. So it's not just up to the individual. Say, you know, I'm doing my work. I go to I go to men's group uh, every week, and uh, you know, I, I read some, you know, I, I listen to these podcasts, and I whatever, you know, we can mm-hmm. justify and, avo- mm-hmm. and avoid the human. The human can do that expertly. Um, yes. to in order to um, uh, validate or to um, kind of stay in the identity that I'm uh, competent and uh, not at fault and that the other is. Mm-hmm. Right. If it's all your partner's fault, you're not doing your inner work pretty much. Right. That's a, that's right? a good clue, right? But it, if, right? You're, if you're just pointing the finger and you're right, you can go to a men's group or a women's group or a, whichever group you want to go to. Um, and listen to podcasts and still, as you said, stay stuck or be justifying and defending. So I guess to define it is to say, um, to do your inner work means first that you're taking care of yourself and that you learn what it means to actually take care of yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, on all levels. So you're, you're doing those things so that you know what it feels like. Because when you take care of yourself, you know what it feels like to be in in alignment with yourself. And alignment to me is a feeling of relaxation, neutrality. It means that when something happens, you don't freak out. Or if you notice that you're starting to freak out, you know you're doing your inner work because when you get triggered you notice it and you don't let it run through its whole cycle, you know, and wreak havoc on your world and probably your partner and other people that are in your world that you're bringing, um, that you are bringing a lot of internal self management to the table, which means you don't say some things you zip it. You really don't say it, especially if you're upset. I mean, it's, it sounds very simple, and it is. Mm-hmm. And to practice it consistently, oh, okay. right? yeah, it's a big it's, ask. It's like a certain, I feel it like it's like this certain kind of muscle. It's like, it, like I, I, can, I can feel into those moments like 
where I have something that I, that I really want to say. Mm-hmm. And I know that it is going to just, it, it is going to not go, go over well, mm-hmm. but to like actually restrain, it's like, it, it, it just, it requires like almost every bit of self-awareness and will in that moment. <laughs> yes, it does. Just, and it almost feels nauseous a little bit, you know, like, oh, like, uh, huh. mm-hmm. I'm just going to stay quiet here. That's right. And breathe and yeah, no, yeah right. And it, it's just fascinating to, uh, to, because it's not talked about a lot that that particular, I, I, I haven't heard it a lot. You know that that, that re, what, what you're what you're speaking to in the moment that restraint. Mm-hmm. You know that like if it's, it's not critical. adding to the you know to the to the safety security uh, mm-hmm. general sense of well being of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Why are you saying it? I just need to speak my truth. I just need to say it. I just needed to get it off my chest. (laughs) You don't. You You don't need to get it off your chest because when you get it off your chest and you dump it on the floor, you got a mess to clean up because Mm -hmm. now somebody else is probably reacting to whatever you've dumped because you had to get it off your chest, which brings Mm -hmm. us to timing. Because it doesn't mean that you don't get to say. I mean, I think also, Ryan, you just described it really well, this this feeling of I'm breathing, I'm settling, and that's where your body can be so helpful. You can really just maybe put your hand on your heart. You can feel your feet on the ground. You can close your eyes. You can set it up in advance. You know what? If I find myself getting triggered, I'm going to close my eyes, honey. And that means that I am actually taking care of myself and taking care of us. I'm not going away. I'm here. I love you. I care about you. I'm committed. I'm just going inside to take care of my reaction so that you don't have to. It's about being very um, self-responsible. And I mean, I can give you an example that um, happened sometime somewhat recently we were driving and my uh, partner has a 30 foot motorhome, which has been great in these pandemic times has enabled us to have outdoor adventures. And uh, yeah. And yeah, it's also stressful because driving a 30 foot vehicle, which incidentally I, I didn't drive because he just always drove it um, is hard. And so sometimes making those, like tight turns or um, certain kinds of navigating the motorhome can be very stressful. And my partner got very upset about having to navigate a certain traffic situation. And he was really, really triggered. And it took everything I had to not make any comment. I did exactly what you said. I closed my, I turned away. I breathed. I had buddy on my lap. Nice, buddy. I mean, God, if everybody could have a buddy on their lap in those moments, though. I mean, that's a little bit of an unfair example. (laughs) I mean, I wonder how you do without buddy. Like, that's pretty. You're right. I I have had 
times when Buddy has a not sixty been pound, like you know, this love. He's also bond terrified, thing. and I'm like comforting yeah. him because the energy, or the, you know, he's his master is so upset. But mm. just to turn to really turn away and to not say any of the things critical, judgmental, corrective, advising, I, nothing. Do not mm-hmm. say anything until. Like I didn't say anything until that moment had passed. I had calmed myself down by breathing, by just telling. It. The other thing is to to really be clear about your direction in your relationship. Is it to create a loving, safe, harmonious, peaceful, supportive, building environment? Because that's what I want. So if I, if that's what I want, then spewing out my, what may be, as you said, something that's actually, um, there's, there may be wisdom in what you have to say, but if you said it right, then it's trash. Right. It just doesn't serve. So to wait. Because he's in like survival, survival brain, you know, it's like. Completely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's not a time to give someone, your partner, any kind of input when they're um, completely freaking out. That's a time to just be quiet, be supportive, digest your own reactions. And then in another moment, and it might not even be a moment that's very far away. Mm Because for us, it only took a little bit. And then I was able to to share my what I had to share. And he could take it in. And he said, you're right. This is one of my edges. This is one of my, you know, growing edges. I'm willing to work on it. That's the other thing in a partnership, right. being willing that both partners are willing to work on whatever shows up internally and interpersonally. I, I'm imagining that you prefaced it too. Like, w- would you be w- would you be open to a little... Uh, would you be open to me sharing about something that's come up for me while you were driving? Mm-hmm. While you were driving? Mm-hmm. I'm imagining that there was some sort of lead-in. <laughs> yeah, it's very useful. And that phrase, would you be willing? Would you be willing? Are you available? Is this a good moment? All of those are, mm-hmm. are really helpful lead-in phrases. Because you actually, I actually, and most people, I would say, uh, don't want to offer something if if somebody doesn't have space to hear it you have to kind of make sure wow is your cup full right now because if your cup is full i don't need to give you more water because it's just going to overflow and so but in honestly in that moment um i could feel that that kind of survival thing had passed and he already knew that I had something to say. Yeah, right. It was I mean, so intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, knew. he knew, and I and I waited though. I waited a while. I mm-hmm. waited a while because because often if somebody, if your partner is really really upset and in in a survival mode, that's a pretty high um, level of of trigger, and so. You want to really, I want to, and I would say it's a good idea to wait until things just calm down, let Mm -hmm. enough time go by. There's really no rush. 
Yeah, and that interesting, like, so you, you know, right, you're, you're in your own internal dialogue, right, all along, you know, because we have parts of ourselves, like, that are like, I need to, I need, like, that are better, that, that fall into the story of urgency around such things, mm-hmm. right? As if, if I don't speak it now, I won't be able, it will, I'll never be able to, or, you know, and so to be able to talk to those kind of parts of oneself and say, yes, I hear you. It's, <laughs> it's important that you express this mm-hmm. and we will express this just not yeah. now. I know you, right? Like, cause they're, they're younger parts, right. That are they really, are. really, they really like, are. They don't have a concept of, of waiting and timing and right. tracking the other and, and all of that. They're just very mm-hmm. like, like my daughter, like 60, like it's impulsive like, it's now. it's it's all now i don't want to like wait for anything Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. and that's That's i mean it feels like it's a real important thing like because i i'm when when you were sharing i was thinking about how many how many times i hear like i you know this whole experience of i feel like i'm walking on eggshells around you you know and and therefore i never can share what what i need to share and that you know the reality is that you know it there are there are moments where you kind of are walking you know in a partnership like if your partner's yeah. super stressed like yours was in that moment mm-hmm. you know you are kind of walking on like he's very it's not there's there's not receptivity you know you got to kind of mm-hmm. just let him kind of move through that hyper aroused state Exactly. Um, but that's not forever. Like if he's right, if he's doing his work and he's committed to his own self-regulation, mm-hmm. then you know that he'll, he'll come out to, you know, he'll come on the other side of that. Yeah. And then, and then, so you're not, you know, walking on eggshells in perpetuity. It's just for a moment no. or it's for a stretch of time. Yeah. It's for yeah. As, it lo- as long as it takes to, for everyone to calm down mm-hmm. so that there's room to have a um yeah just a peaceful conversation about something that was challenging and Mm -hmm. and we do have to wait and i feel like there is some it's like is it walking on eggshells or is it just tending to your relationship because part of the, the what we what we might think is walking on eggshells is just really managing ourselves and not saying every you know, critical, corrective, maybe brilliant thing that pops in that, mm-hmm. that actually there's, I mean, some, some schools say it's five to one, like five really positive, encouraging things to one, you know, suggestion for improvement. And I would even go farther. I would say it's, um, it's 90, it's 90% wow, thank you so much. And I appreciate you. And, and coming from a very sincere, um, heart connected place, I appreciate this about you. And I appreciate that. And being really feeding this, uh, this kind of yum, this, this seed of yum, the seedling, right? Because that grows through gestures of kindness, gestures of appreciation, Really, if you know your partner, which hopefully you you study your partner and you know what their love language is, you know how to reach them, 
you know, if they really like to have their feet rubbed or if, you know, picking some flowers from the garden is going to make them smile or just bringing home, you know, Thai food takeout so they don't have to cook or whatever it is. Um, you want to really do those things a lot and be very discerning and very selective about when you point out what they could do differently and how they could do differently and how they might grow. And for those of us who are in the, um, the vocation of advising and reflecting, we really have to um, manage ourselves. That's where the doing the inner work is noticing what is needed here. And mostly what's needed is just be nice. <laughs> just be really kind. And why do you want to do that? Because it feels good. It feels good to you and it feels good to your partner. And people, I notice in my partnership, my partner is way more willing to look and have the hard conversations if they come in the midst of a really loving atmosphere. And then we can For go sure. back and talk about something that was, that was hard or something that isn't working. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's as if, it's as if there's a at like that, that there's a responsibility that, that, that you're, you're, um, sig- you know, inviting, suggesting people take on, which is, to create an atmosphere around like all around the, the relationship of generosity and kindness and operating under good faith that there is this other person that does really want to love you and is, is a good person and has their quirks and their mm-hmm. challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see the good person and you stoke the flames of that good, generous heartful person you know what makes them feel safe you know what makes them feel loved and you do those things and like yeah and um it that leads me to this kind of question that's been up for me i just kind of noticing how people are experiencing relationship and it's it's something along the lines of let me see how i can articulate it i'm i'm every it's everyone saying I'm putting, I'm putting more into the relationship. Mm. Right. And if everybody's saying that, <laughs> what's going on? Right? There shouldn't be any problem. If everybody's right, putting yeah, in so much. Problem or, yeah, right, or, or uh, something's, something's not right. Which is, I think really that, that people have a miss, have this misperception, right? They're cat, they're casting themselves as this, as this hero in the, this, but it's kind of a shadow hero. It's like this kind of victim, like, Oh, well, I did this. And they're really like, they're blowing up their own, their, their own memories of the things that they've done and they're accruing them and they have mm-hmm. them on call on demand. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. other says, you know, I'd really love it if you, um, just touched me more often. Mm-hmm. Just, I could mm-hmm. use more touch. You know, mm-hmm. well, I touched you actually this time, that time, this time. And yeah. so I'm doing, I'm doing enough. And, you know, and in fact, you know, that, that, that leads me to um, something I've been wanting to bring up, which is that I could really could use a bit more, um, you know, uh, 
cleaning up around the house, you know, mm-hmm. and then they respond to this and then they've, they've accrued this. Mm-hmm. It's a really ungenerous and um, yet unconsciously kind of really defensive psychology that so many, I mean, I've been in it certainly, mm-hmm. you know, and it just really seems so very human Mm-hmm. To really want to be holding on to this identity that I am, I'm doing enough in this relationship, mm-hmm. and I'm going to accrue evidence to support that fact, that story, mm-hmm. and then be very offended when you suggest otherwise. Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah, that sounds very yeah. human. Very human, mm-hmm. and this shows up. And number one is like you don't need to accrue like you don't want to be looking like looking for evidence that your partner isn't showing up is not useful <laughs> it's really not right. useful at all and and it's something you can just say to yourself and what i also say and i wrote it in the book is don't keep score don't keep score you're in a living breathing organism called a relationship and you know what sometimes you're going to be doing more stuff, whatever the stuff is, and you're not going to be getting everything that you want. Now, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that if that's how it is sort of ongoingly, then you might be, there might be a problem. It might be, uh, there might be an imbalance. There might be codependency. There might be, I mean, there are all kinds of scenarios that could be going on, but this is like, we just, it's kind of like we're taking turns tending to the the soup of our relationship or maybe it's a risotto right because you have to stir risotto constantly and it's and it's you got to be there so maybe we take turns stirring the pot and i just feel like if you really want to have a successful relationship you don't keep score you keep telling the truth You, you you don't keep score so there's don't keep score and there's also um, part of what you addressed, I think, Ryan, is something that is also called stacking. I'm stacking it up. Oh, you did this and you didn't do that. And I'm making a big pile, like a you know pile of mail on your desk that hasn't gone opened. It's like, oh, yeah, this, 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 mm-hmm. this, this. Mm-hmm. And then once it's stacked high enough, I'm just going to, I'm going to either explode if I'm an explosive type or I'm going to pull away if I'm a pull away type, you know? And so keeping, having structures in your relationship for just keeping things, it's kind of like tidying up your house. If you tidy up your house on a regular basis, it doesn't become a, you know, tornado zone. But if you only do it once a month, it's going to be a really big mess. You have a lot of dishes, a lot of laundry, whatever it is. So. Right. No, but that's what couples therapy is for. You just once a month, you just kind of you just dump, it, dump it, and then and then you, then then look at the therapist and be like, okay, can you clean this up, please? Could you just? <laughs> yeah, that's that's, um, that's that's yeah, that's not sustainable. It's the sustainability <laughs> approach, right? What is sustainable right. in your relationship? That's what also you want to think about. Like, what's going to really sustain us here? It's kind of yeah. like, am I gonna? What am I gonna eat for lunch? Am I gonna eat a nice big, you know, plate of vegetables, or am I just gonna have a bowl of cereal? Like, bowl mm-hmm. of cereal is okay, but it's not gonna sustain you long term. Right. Know? 
You know, it took me, unfortunately, you know, it took me way too long us, you know, in our, in our marriage. Like, I think maybe it took us until like three years ago. We've been together 16 years and it took, Congrats! I don't know how we made it. I mean, I mean, to not, to, to wait it until three years ago to actually be consistent, like Mm. weekly or around doing what you're doing. uh Uh-huh. Keeping like, things clean and clear and really communicating. Yeah, like doing inventory. We, you know, we, just, yeah. we call it love and presence because we've both been exposed to Hakomi and mm-hmm. just sitting in front of one another and each having an opportunity to slow down and, and, and do an inventory of like what's going on inside of us and in between us and then and putting it out there in a in a um, self-responsible, like non-blaming, mm-hmm. vulnerable way, mm-hmm. right? And it's just honestly like 20 minutes mm. is magic in that way. And 20 minutes in total? In total, like 10 minutes each or so, you know? Yeah. I mean, very, initially, I think when we were doing it, we would, we would end up in some deeper processes because there was a lot of accrued mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and I think every relationship is that organism that, that it, who knows when there sometimes is just a longer sort of metabolizing of something. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, yeah. you know, and, and I, I am just always kind of marveling at how difficult it is as I kind of invite couples to do that, how difficult it is for them to actually instill that discipline. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, to to say to set aside that time, and it really leads me to believe what well, because it's I think why we avoided it. It's vulnerable, you know. It's um, to just actually, it's a lot less vulnerable to make little co- like kind of little snide comments here and there, mm-hmm. and to uh, hang out inside yourself as you just start to you know cultivate this narrative about the other and mm-hmm. how they're not meeting your needs for this, you know, or they're doing such and such. It feels so awful and you're just in it internally. Um, A lot less vulnerable than just sitting there and saying like, whatever it is, you know, I've been really in this story that you don't care about me. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I can feel this little younger part, this younger part that is totally believes that. And it does seem like there's nothing you could ever do that would convince her or him, you know, mm-hmm. this little one that you actually do care. Right. Something like that. Right. And that mm-hmm. I wish if there were, you know, if I could just like wave my magic wand, like couples would just would, would commit to some, some version of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely to keep clear, you know, and not accrue it and accrue it. And yeah, you don't want to let it build up. And, you know, and then things are said in moments that go into long-term memory that are really threatening and hurtful. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, You want to keep the space clean and clear and having a practice like you're saying is, is a beautiful idea, you know, and it, it can be weekly 
It could even be a daily, like shorter thing. Even just a few minutes of being, being seen and heard, practicing kind of open listening, being witnessed. It might not even be about the relationship. It's just like, oh, you're here mm-hmm. with me, right? Because mm-hmm. there's that feeling of, of, oh, someone is here with me and they're, they love me and they're here and there's no judgment and I can just be. Especially, I think, during these times when the world is um, spinning. Yeah. Spinning Scary. in several directions. Anxiety. Yeah. Absolutely. It's even, yeah. it's, an, it's an important time to find, uh, yeah, to find solace in your own heart, to take the, that time, whether it's sitting meditation or yoga or qigong or time in nature or music, or whatever it is that takes you into your heart to really find, take, take refuge, take refuge, and then take refuge also in, in each other. And that's the thing about tending. You tend to, the second chapter of my book is called The We. And it's like you tend to the we. So what you're talking about is this is one way that we tend to the we, that we have that my partner is in my awareness, even when we're not together. Mm-hmm. That we are con- that we are connected, and that we're we're nurturing that connection, and we're nourished by that connection. And if we're stacking or accruing evidence for how they they don't love us, which is of course you know fed by our own insecurities and our own wounds and these younger parts that didn't get what they needed. We we're gonna create um, we're gonna create separation rather than connection and rather than a feeling of of being that we're here. The name of the book is Being Together. It's it's for it's for that reason because it is about being. It's not always about doing and who's doing what and who's not doing what and how I'd like you to do it differently. It's about oh we're just being. Like in a way, I I really get that it's a um, it's an honor and a privilege and a challenge to walk with somebody through life over time, possibly through parenthood. And it's a lot. It's a lot. And it, it will grow. It grows us if we keep investing in it, if we keep really um, planting the seeds, just keep planting seeds of goodness because the world is, has enough chaos and unsettledness that our relationship can be a place where we can, we can let our nervous systems relax, which is not always the case. I know. Yeah. If there's a lot of friction, it's not relaxing. Mm-hmm. If there's bickering and nitpicking, it's not relaxing at all. So, to, so just really get clear on what it is you really want. How do you want to feel when you come home? And it's not always going to be a passionate romance and just this feeling of being overjoyed to see the person. And yet, maybe it can be more often than not that you come in and you just relax and you're happy to see them. Maybe you take your time, you go into your cave, you do your unwinding, and then you come back and you're just being grateful, being um, in wonder that somebody, that you've chosen somebody and they've chosen you, and and you're showing up for each other. And it's a huge contribution because when your heart is calm, when your body, your nervous system's at peace, 
that affects everybody, everybody in your immediate orbit, and then it it echoes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and it it it's really on such a primal level. It's very uh, heartening, um, inspiring to others to actually be around healthy couples. Absolutely. It's like, oh, okay, there's there's yep. some hope for the future, like there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it sort of like takes us back to whether you had parents who were happy together or not, or stayed together or not. There's this feeling of, you know, if, if you've ever been around a happy couple, there's a, there's a sort of all is well kind of sense of, oh, that they're loving each other, that love is possible, this kind of love. And I feel like true, true couplehood or coupledom really opens itself into flavors of love that um, are unique, very unique, that, that are different from, you know, meditative dropping into your heart, love, and also, and also, you know, open that doorway to this kind of more universal sense of loving. And then, you, and then there's also possibility for tremendous healing when we feel safe and we feel loved. We can stop acting out. Imagine, I mean, this is my experience. When I'm not spending my energy acting out or being triggered, I have a lot more energy for other, other things. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of sensible. So for, for a lot of the um, folks out there, you know, from, from my work with folks, it, it, they're they're in actually in this limbo land often like they've gone through the first year uh and which which is often full of fireworks and um just excitement and wonder and yes and then they 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 get into the real work of relationship this passage right Mm -hmm. um that many are Ill, like, ill-equipped to navigate uh, or, or dis, they don't have an orientation. Mm. Uh, and and they're, they're, they haven't arrived. Why I'm bringing this up is because you said earlier, I chose you, you chose me, something along those lines. Like we've mm-hmm. chosen each other and isn't mm-hmm. this wonderful and we can just be together and we can rest together. And our nervous mm-hmm. systems can just regulate each other. And yes, mm-hmm. like, yes, that's the promised land. But a lot of people actually, there's like a, there's this passage there. Mm-hmm. And what, what ends up happening is for a lot of folks, they don't, they don't fully choose each other. Yeah. So there ends up being this dysregulatory mm-hmm. um, cluster, fuck, you know, that's, that's <laughs> ongoing and can extend uh-huh. for years, you know, totally. because they, might, I guess we just need to take space. So, and then they come back together and, oh, I do love you. And, and, mm-hmm. and then they, they go back into their story and um, mm-hmm. it's painful, you know? And so I'm just yeah. curious about what, what you've come up with in terms of kind of directionality or orientation for those folks that are in that place, that passage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think you make the point of people, what's needed is that you you have to be all in. You have to actually choose. Well, first, you choose yourself. You choose to be in alignment with yourself, to love yourself. And from there, 
you choose this other person and they choose you back. Now, you can't always make a lifetime commitment, nor do you want to, in a short amount of time. What, but what you can do, and what I think is really useful, is to make um, incremental commitments. Make an incremental commitment. No, it's, it's not rocket science. Say, okay, let's just, and, and we did this. We said, okay, we rented this house, and we said, well, we're in it for a year. Let's just be in it for this year. And that's not even that incremental. You can also do a month. Say, you know what? Let's close all the exits just for one month and see what happens if we really show up. Because there are things that we do when we are not all in, when we haven't made a commitment. And one of them is we might threaten to leave. Well, fine, then I'll just go. Or you can just go. Well, if, if you really feel that way, then all that stuff is so incredibly damaging. And all of those kinds of threats and things, because the threat, the threat actually feels like a life and death thing yeah. to the reptilian brain, to the part of us that's just in survival. Because when you're a baby, if your caretaker, your primary caregiver goes away, you could die as a human. And so it, it has its roots. It has very deep roots. So when somebody says, okay, I will walk with you. I commit to do this. Okay, in, in the beginning, yeah, let's not see other people, right? Let's make a, and, I'm, and, and what I'm talking about is a, is a committed monogamous relationship where we just are with each other. We, we're choosing each other. We're not having dalliances or outside other things. That's just one paradigm. Many can work, but this is, this is, this is the one which seems to me to be the one where you might actually have a shot at that promised land of relaxation for me. That's just my perspective. Um, and so, yeah, make small commitments and show up. Because when you make a commitment and you show up for the commitment and you're good to your word, that builds trust. And the more you deepen the foundation of trust, it's like if you're walking together and it's thin ice, <laughs> it's hard to trust thin ice. So the more you actually, oh, you said you were going to show up at this time. You said you were going to do this and you did. Okay, great. There's a little more trust. The foundation of trust becomes more... Um, more steady so yeah i'd say yeah, incremental right. and, commitment yeah incremental commitment with with clear with clear agreements like uh like you said i mean to honor your word to uh like as my uh main teacher sam tackin points out like it's the 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 agreements are everything right yes. i mean if you if you if, if they're not clearly spelled out then then you don't have the trust and security and yeah. the nervous system just starts to dysregulate and and then you start acting out it's yeah. just it's very causal it's not about it's you know i think where people get kind of kind of hung up or um kind of go down um dead ends on some level is 
is starting to prematurely go into this internal questioning, like, is this the right person for me? Mm-hmm. Well, first off, like, be two mature adults in a sense that are like, let's form some agreements. Yes. Let, let's test this out. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you said, let, we're not, let's not see other people. Let's not threaten the relationship. Mm-hmm. Let's be true to our word. Let's commit both commit wholeheartedly to being as kind and generous to this relationship as we, as possible. Mm-hmm. Let's, you know, meet, let's sit down daily or every other day or on a scheduled time to um, really just, you know, connect on a, on a deeper level. Uh, mm-hmm. all, all of these practices and agreements. And then, mm-hmm. and then assess, right? That's right. That's right. Because you can't really assess if you don't do those things. Because then you'll, you'll very likely prematurely bolt and find right. really clear justifications for why this person isn't the right person for you. Right. Which is and, often, you know, which may be true. And it may also may be true. Which right. may be true. And it may be running away. Right. And, but, you know, and I honestly think it's hard for some people to do this this way, but, you know, to actually uh, be okay with um, bottom lines. You know, but I, I think it's actually a wonderful filter to say, okay, this is, this is you know, that's why I say it, it's like being a, being a mature adult in relationship is to mm-hmm. actually say, like, this is what a mature relationship, like, needs looks like to, to me. look like yeah. to me. Yeah. And do you agree to that? Right. And if they're like, you know, I don't think I want to do that, this, you know, and then it's like, well, that's a good filter, actually. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. And yeah. I think that people are, are, you know, I think what dry, what, what, what I see where I see people getting kind of caught is, is that they don't, aren't willing to actually say goodbye. Yeah. At that it's point. True. It's true. Yeah. I think, I think because then they're not willing to say goodbye. And what occurs to me is, um, the trap of thinking you could you can change someone else because in my experience um people tell you where they're at they really do and it, it's important to listen you're mm-hmm. not going to you're not going to change no matter how amazing you are and i'm sure you're amazing you're not going to change them they have to they know where they're at they know what their capacity is. You can't mm-hmm. like, for instance, years ago, I was with a man who had been um, married twice. He had been married twice. No, three times. He had been married three times. And I thought, well, he's married three times. He'll get married again. But he was very clear that he had spent, you know, 35 years living with women and he was done with that. And, and then eventually it evolved into, you know, he wanted to just live separately, which nothing wrong with living, living separately. That could work too. It's not what I want, but that, that can work. Um, and I didn't want that live separately, you know, see each other two or three times a week, 
thing. So that's one of those places where it's like, oh, actually, this is what relationship looks like to me. To me, it looks like cohabitation and sharing life and sharing your life vision and, you know, like that more than just kind of a friend, lover, playmate a couple mm-hmm. couple few times a week. And, and it was great to finally realize that he wasn't going to change no matter how much he loved me or I loved him or how, how amazing we both were. Mm-hmm. You can't change somebody. So I think that being clear and really being honest about what you want is critical. And that said, to, to just recognize that no one's going to be perfect. You're not, <laughs> and they're not, and there's going to always be something. So choose someone that just you have enough goodness with. You have enough fun. Humor is essential. Want to be able to laugh together because when lots of other stuff falls away, you can still laugh on your front porch together. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, of course, you have to have values and and all that shared values. Just know that. How do you coach like somebody in that in through into like that clarity, you know, and into a, a willingness to hold to what they actually need and want in a relationship. Mm. And to take a stand for that. Mm-hmm. Which is so important. Um, you know, I mean, different ways, but I think that's where your the embodied components, your, yeah. your ability to, to kind of trust your gut and trust your body because the mind the mind is an incredible trickster and it can make a case for anything and you can you can kind of con yourself you can con yourself into stuff you can con your way out but the body doesn't lie and so being able to cultivate a kind of an internal somatic you know physically tangible way of knowing when when to stay and when to go and mm-hmm. when cuz cuz if you you can you you can just check you know i mean in in my experience if the body is contracting clamping down if you're having a hard time breathing it's probably not a yes well no. let, let me push back a little bit there cuz um well like anything it's a little paradoxical right because Sometimes mm-hmm. the body is having a reaction based upon a based upon a uh, an old story, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, a person may really be in the story that she's she's going to leave me. Mm. I just know it, and mm-hmm. there's there's a younger part that was left, right? That that right. in this case he's not in contact with, and is taking over. And is giving the sig- the bot the the somatic signaling of mm-hmm. intense anxiety and panic as they get close to full commitment. Say, mm-hmm. um, so in that case, it's like, um, I mean, it it's as I play it out, right? It's it's not exactly like listening to the body as if it has the tr- the truth. It's listening to the body and following curiously into mm-hmm. 
is this true right here and now? Like, is she going to leave? Is that, is that, is that here? Or was that, is that then? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is important. Yeah. And to be able to discern between what is a kind of like a, a trauma trigger versus, wow, I'm just, I'm just afraid to lean Mm -hmm. in a little bit more. Yeah. And so just, I mean, and it might not only be physical, but to just ask yourself, I think that's the most important question. Is this true now? How do I know? And the other thing is in a given situation like that, get out of your head and actually have the courage and the willingness in the right moment to say, honey, I'm feeling afraid right now to let, to just check it out. Because so often we're running entire movies and scenarios in our heads that are just not based in reality. And what you're aware to, aware of or keyed into, your partner might not have a clue. And their cluelessness gets translated. You make their cluelessness mean X, Y, Z. It doesn't, they're, just because they didn't, they missed a cue doesn't mean they don't care about you. You know, yeah. and I and I think though that that brings us to, you know, John Gottman's bids for attention, right? So just being responsive and being attuned, learning how to listen to yourself and listen to your partner, and being able to notice what's going on. And very often, as we know, um, when when we're really triggered is when we just need someone to say, I'm here. And that, that means that in a partnership, best case scenario, one person gets triggered, the other person is holding, loving ground and stays calm and doesn't take it personally and start running. And then you're just in a trigger ping pong experience, mm-hmm. which is, is completely unproductive. So knowing that when you look across and your partner's freaking out, it's probably something that goes way back and you can just love them as much as you can. And do that, doing that for each other is incredibly um, healing. It's very reassuring in the moment and then it's actually healing. And eventually what I find is that the more there's that feeling of here-ness or presence, or steadiness, um, the more there's this, mm, yeah, letting go, letting go and, and opening, because, because someone's there with you. You're there with yourself, except when you're not, except when you freak out and you go into, you know, we go into our, our triggers. And we leave ourselves. So then in partnership, it's great if somebody is able to uh, hold down the fort so it doesn't have to last so long. It's such a great gift that we can give to each other. I mean, yeah. And it's, I mean, that's the key, the key phrase there is that, you know, to each other that this isn't, it's not codependency because it's, it's, you're doing it for each other. That's right. And that's one of these agreements. Yeah. Right. Right. And sometimes you'll have to verbalize 
your need multiple times. So be patient. You might Mm -hmm. say something and your partner says, okay, I can do that. And then they're not able to do it. It doesn't mean they don't want to. It just means they haven't, you know, strengthened that muscle enough to do it. So then being able to give those reminders and receive those reminders um, in gentle ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a key, a key thing. There. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're talking, I mean, we're also talking about kind of behavioral training, you know. It like is. Reminders. It's like positive reinforcement. You know, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of positive patience, reinforcement. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, we're we're acclimating to being together, to dancing together. It's it's really it's like learning to dance with someone, yeah. right? You have to like yeah, find, you can get stuck on like that. multiple times. Yeah, totally. And you and you know what? Over time, your dancing together will improve. It'll get more fluid. It'll get to be more fun. You know, it'll take you places you couldn't have gone on your own. Well, that's a beautiful image to kind of conclude with. But I'm also wondering if there's anything else that you want to kind of impart to the listeners in closing. Hmm. I mean, we've said it in different ways, but just get clear on on what what it is you want in in a relationship, and then live into it. Do the tend to the nitty gritty, and yeah, enjoy the enjoy the play of cultivating something. And I think Ryan, you said, you know. 16 years together, and it's just a few years ago. Well, I heard that multiple times from the people I interviewed. You know, 20 years into it, they're just starting to get it, get it really dialed. So that's the other thing is be patient with yourself and know that it's it's a long game. Mm-hmm. It's a long game. If it's the person you want to play the game with and be in the yeah. dance with, recognize yeah. Yeah. that it's a long game. Mm-hmm. And if it's not the right person to be in the dance with, then as you said, you know, tell the truth about that and go when it's time to go. But if not, hang in there and keep keep being just keep being generous. Mm-hmm. And being in in the it's an active, it's an it's a living organism. Relationship is a living organism. So it it needs tending. You can't just leave it alone and expect it to thrive. Yeah, you got to feed it. Right. Right. You do. Yeah. Yeah. Feed it with goodness. Feed it with yummy. Mm-hmm. Whatever mm-hmm. is yummy for you, bring, bring it on. Mm-hmm. The, the goodness, the positivity, the encouragement, the gratitude, the playfulness, whatever it is. Beautiful vision, Padma. Well, so where um, where can people find you and find the book and all that? All that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me on my website, which is my name, podmagordon.com. And the book is called Being Together. 
practical wisdom for loving yourself and your partner. And you can get it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. So go to either one of those. Um, keep your eye out for the audiobook in the spring. I'm going to be recording that soon, which is exciting. And I'm also going to be um, doing an online class group, kind of workshopping the book. The book lends itself to that. So I will send out um, posts on social media and such about that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm certainly open to people, anyone who wants to uh, reach out and have an exploratory conversation. I'm really curious about your experience in relationships and how they're growing you and uh, what your challenges are because it's a very fertile ground. That's what I want to say is relationship is a fertile ground for evolution. Yes, it is. Well, it's been such a joy to reconnect with you and hear all of your wisdom and stories and so congratulations. Thank you. Thank for you the so people, much. helping for the people, the people navigate the, the the craziness and the the potential glory and restorativeness and healing. Mm-hmm. Power yeah. 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 Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was so much fun. Really. Yay. Delightful. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Wow. Thank you for listening. I hope you uh, enjoyed that. I sure did. I thought Padma is just a heartful, awesome human being. So this is an opportunity right now for me to ask you a small favor to uh, subscribe to this podcast and to write a review on iTunes. Really, if you could, it'd be awesome, right? So I'm just building this and, uh, and the more listeners the better so I can get more feedback and so we can continue to develop a relationship culture that is more functional because it's not super functional these days, right? So would love your support in moving moving this, uh, this world forward towards healthy relationships and so that we all can thrive together. That's the point of all this and really appreciate any support you can offer in that way. Until next time.